Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We had a bit of a crazy week last week. Um, here at Jew in the City, really since our founding in 2007, it started off first as more of like a social media movement before social media was even fully invented. And then it took a few years for me to get the guts to turn it into a nonprofit when I realized that we really did have this bigger goal of, of changing the world. Um, and we've been talking about um, sort of the media treating the Orthodox community fair really since the very beginning. That was that was how my bias formed, um, sort of seeing Orthodox Jews only depicted in the worst possible ways and um, not knowing that there were any decent and reasonable and cool Orthodox Jews until I got the chance to meet some in real life. And so last week, something pretty exciting happened if you haven't seen yet. We posted a clip from the episode of NBC Nurses that was highly incendiary. Uh, it was a very negative portrayal of Hasidic Jews. Posted 41 seconds of it on Twitter, wrote a response. And within a day, it had almost a million views. Basically, like the whole Jewish world uh, was up in arms. This was after the SNL outrage. Um, and NBC pulled the episode down. Um, and now we actually have um, a part two of our NBC Hollywood confrontation, or at least education, let's say. We're going to be going to 30 Rock, to NBC's headquarters, to have a little demonstration next week to make our feelings known and to let them know now that you've taken down this awful episode, um, please come and talk to us about how you can handle your future characters because we need more nuance and we need more humanity. So um, tune into our website, jewinthecity.com, follow us on social to see updates on that. Uh, it is all developing as we speak. But speaking of Orthodox Jews and media, not all of us are racist, um, bigoted, sexist, awful people. In fact, some of us are lovely people, like today's guest. Her name is Sherry Pear, and not only is she super talented, She's also super funny, um, and it's a really great combination to see someone creative, see someone funny um, doing this within the Orthodox community. So Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me here. I'm just going to give you like a little uh, intro here because um, this is some this is some good uh, you know accomplishments that you've had. Uh, Sherry's clients have included Red Bull and um, Bud Light. Um, and individual luminaries like New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin and Mime Bialik, my good friend. Um, and you have comic strips um, called Corona Mama, which is hilarious. And you have a new coloring book as well. So let's talk about your life as an Orthodox Jewish um, com comic creator. Um, and first, take us to your background. Where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Well, I am a Brooklyn girl originally, born in Brooklyn. I lived in Canarsie for a little bit, ventured to Staten Island, and I went to uh, Yeshiva Flatbush for 12 years, did that, that trek from <laughs> Staten Island to Brooklyn. Um, and uh, yeah, I went to here for 12 years before going to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, where I majored in cartooning. Um, so, you know, like every other typical classmate of mine, I guess, <laughs> I chose to go into the creative arts. So, um, so tell, uh, like, what, um, were you always artistic? Did you always know that this was your passion? So I've been drawing since I was a year old. And <laughs> ironically, um, when I was interviewing for Flatbush, um, there was, uh, a, 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 as part of the interview process, I tested really well in a certain area. And 
um, the person interviewing me had told my parents to go out and get this girl some art lessons. And my mom said, I'm a five-year-old, I'm gonna go get her art lessons. But sure, yeah, she signed me up for, for art lessons at the age of six. So I would go to, um, you know, she would during the school year. And then in the summers, I went to art camp from the starting from the age of six. Hmm. So I imagine that there were not so many Orthodox Jews at art camp. Not that many. I mean, uh, I, I always had to explain what being kosher meant. And, you know, the counselors always had to, to understand which snacks to give me. And uh, but it was really great. One thing that I've always loved is, you know, explaining where I come from and trying to be, uh, you know, a, a good representative. So, you know, I, I always tell people I never felt more Jewish than when I had in art school because I would still, even though I don't always wear pants, I only wore, I mean, even though I don't always wear skirts, I wear pants sometimes, I would make sure I would wear a skirt. I would try to dress as conservatively as possible to make sure that no matter how I presented myself, it was a, I was a, a good portrayal of what it means to be a, a, Jew, a good Jewish person. That's really beautiful. You know, I think obviously people need to know their kids and what they can handle because every kid is different. Parents could be afraid that putting their kid into an environment that is less Jewish could test them, could make them lose their way. But there's certainly something to the idea of when you're the only Jew in town or the only religious Jew, that's your chance to get to shine and, you know, get a chance to be that luminary in that Kiddush Hashem. So, um, so good for you for doing that. So, um, so did you have anything, you're taking uh, art classes during the summer and you're drawing during the year anything in sort of your um, childhood life that you're especially proud of in terms of the art? I guess also tell us like, what kind of art did you do? They saw you drawing. So like, where did that take you on sort of the artistic journey? Well, um, my biggest inspiration growing up was a dog that we, my family dog, I used to love drawing comics about her. But even before that, I mean, even as a young child, I would used to you know, watch a lot of cartoon shows and I pause the cartoon shows and try to copy the characters. Um, I used to love pretending to be superheroes. I mean, I still do. I mean, truthfully, with my profession, you're not allowed to grow up. Um, but, uh, you know, I would, I would, uh, with my neighbor, I used to create characters and I would draw comics about them. Really, I would draw whatever I could, whatever I could, whatever floated my boat, ever entered my, my brain. Um, and uh, cartoons, cartoons was more your thing at, at a certain at an early age, you knew that you wanted to do cartoons. You know, I knew I wanted to be an artist around the age of 10. And then when I was 11, my dad brought home uh, a, a copy of Calvin and Hobbes from Barnes and Noble. And I don't know if you you're familiar with the comic, if you read it yourself, but it changed my world. I mean, it was a comic about about a, a young boy and his tiger that that would uh you know become real when adults were not around mm -hmm. and i think the combination of the childlike wonder and the intellectual side of it and the philosoph philosophical side of it, it just it blew my mind i'd never read anything like that before and it was the first time i i saw how much how funny how, how great it was to be able to use your art to make people laugh and also to present people with with an insight into life and i've kind of modeled my career on reading that comic. So let's just clarify because it's interesting. I know another, um, like, I guess he's in the animator space. So I think of animator versus cartoon and now animation is on, you know, uh, computers, but there's like the comic uh, creator and then there's the person making cartoons. So you know what I'm saying? Like sort of Disney versus Calvin and Hobbes. Like, did you ever look to like the animation side or is that, 
you're in like the still kind of like comics versus the cartoons, which is moving. Is my question making any sense? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm a cartoonist and illustrator, but animation is a different, um, a different side of things, which now is more relevant. So when I saw Calvin Hobbes, my goal was to have a comic strip. I just love the format of, you know, the one to four panels. I just, I just loved everything about the, the pacing and, and all that. Um, so I focused on that. And when I went to the School of Visual Arts, that was my focus. I went and I graduated in 2007 and I spent the entire four years before that concentrating on being a comic strip artist. And then the month after I graduate the, graduated, the first iPhone came out and completely revolutionized the way that we get content. Mm -hmm. So basically I, had, I was determined to make it into a field that was already kind of on shaky, shaky ground because of the whole newspaper industry um, in decline. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it ended up speeding up the process quite a bit. So my first 10 years out of college were about trying to figure out how to find a career in pretty much a dying medium. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and uh, I kind of fell into the storyboard side of things, um, which is a way to, I, for those of you who are not familiar with it, storyboards are having um, artists d uh, draw each panel for, for filming. Um, so you set up the shot so that the directors are not wasting their time with actors. They know exactly how to set up the camera. And so I would draw, um, I would I would draw storyboards for commercials mm. uh, and uh, and um, that was kind of a way to do comics set in the real world situation until I ended up getting a job for three years at an advertising industry industry where I was an in-house cartoonist working on the Red Bull campaign in which case I was actually doing actual storyboards and and concepts and ideas using cartoons and not just for real real life um commercials but for cartoon and animations uh i didn't actually animate but i would do everything except for animating it's just interesting because i never actually considered the fact that we use the word cartoon sort of in two different um ways we use it both for an animated cartoons and then also sort of for the comedy you know comic strip cartoons so i'm just sort of thinking about the english language right now but also besides being the um, artists and drawing, you also need the ideas. You need to be able to have like punchlines and, you know, sort of funny concepts around the image because that's really, that is, I would say, equally um, as important in a comic strip than the image itself is like, what is the message you're con conveying? Absolutely. I like writing and concepting and, and coming up with ideas just as much as the drawing and the execution. I love every bit of it. Hmm. And so uh, where does your inspiration come from? Um, I think it depends on what point of my life you're asking about. I mean, um, in, I think the first, ex I, I had grown up wanting to do gag cartoons that, you know, like Calvin and Hobbes, like all the newspaper comic strips that I used to love. And then a couple of things changed my life and my perspective. Um, in 2009, I created a, um, a comic with a writing partner in Israel um, my friend Inval Freund, and it was a three-page comic about one woman's experience as an aguna, trying to get her get after 10 years from her abusive spouse. And uh, we released it on on um, Erev Purim on Tanit Esther, which is International Aguna Day. And it was the first time I'd ever drawn anything that went viral. It really, it, I mean, people of all walks of life, Jewish, not Jewish, 
orthodox, not observant. Everybody enjoyed this comic and resonated with them. And most people didn't know the issue. Mm -hmm. So seeing my comic being used in such powerful terms and really making an impact on people I mean, it just, it just, it was, it took my art and my, 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 my drawing and my goals to a whole new purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and then in 2014, I had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and um, I had no idea how to handle it. I mean, most people just don't talk about it, save from a few of my friends who had mentioned to me in passing that they'd had one. And so I, I at that point, people were talking about it a lot less than they are now. Um, and I didn't find any resource that satisfied me to make me feel less alone. So I decided to create the, the resource. Mm -hmm. I created a 10 page comic about my experience and, mm -hmm. um, Maya and was actually kind enough to share it on her, on her website, which was at the time was Grok Nation and on her social media pages. And it really, it really took off. Like people, mm -hmm. it really resonated with people. I still get emails from people saying, you know, thank you for that comic. And thank you for, for taking the time to put into words what I needed to hear. And so I created several comics about Down syndrome, you know, anything that's um, postpartum depression. I, I like to do projects where my cartoon services, you know, can be funny, but also can be inspiring. So I, I've tackled um, topics like bullying and, you know, whatever comes my way that I can really use my art to, to, to make an impact. And then with Corona, you know, I started my Corona comics to help to help cope with um, dealing with the pandemic as a parent. And can you give us some highlights of the Corona comics? Because I feel like of every, I mean, every single person listening right now is literally in the middle of that um, trauma. <laughs> so we, we all know. Um, I mean, is that just like life events? Pretty, pretty much everyone's day is probably content to to feed into a comic strip. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're all dealing with this now for sure. Um, so uh, at the start of the pandemic, I had been working uh, at my the advertising agency and I also had my third child the year before and was battling postpartum depression. So great way to head into wow. a pandemic. <laughs> Let me tell you, I highly don't recommend it. Um, so, so, you know, the, the, the pandemic started and I lost a bunch of loved ones pretty, pretty early on, including my uncle. And then a couple weeks after that, I lost my job. So, um, you know, I try to believe that everything happens for a reason. And there's no point in going through tough times if you can't share it and learn from it and help others. Mm -hmm. So I just started my comic where I would just talk about dealing with Zoom school and dealing with, um, you know, the quarantine and, you know, dealing with my, my, renewed love and faith in chocolate and all things junk food. Mm -hmm. um, so I would start putting these comics out and really, you know, they're for me, but, you know, I thought that they might be able to help other people. And it's the first comic strip that I had that really resonated with so many people. And, you know, it's lighter than my miscarriage comics because I try to be funny. And I also try to be, you know, have those moments where it just, it's really, really tough. You know, I did one for, for Purim last week where, you know, I had, I was standing in front of a wall, like looking really sad and look, you know, standing in front of a wall of masks and they're all about being cheerful, being happy. All these masks are very positive. And, you know, the caption is, which mask are you wearing today? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Purim marks the year, the last time I saw my family in the East Coast. I live in Los Angeles now. So I happened to be in for Purim last year and it's the last time I saw my family. 
Um, so, you know, I try to tackle topics that resonate with me in a way that will also help others. And, it, it you know, thank, you know, um, I'm very thankful to people who've really taken to it. Um, and I created a, a coloring book also from the material to help people, um, you know, have a tangible way to, to escape with a laugh and, um, you know, a few moments of self-care so you can color it and, you know, just feel seen really. That's what, that's the whole point of the comic is to help others feel that they're not alone and that they're, they're being seen. It's so, it's interesting. Again, I'm just thinking about the English language, like we call it a comic, but as you're talking here, I'm like, this is heavy. This is serious. Like, this is so it's, I mean, but I guess maybe part of it is, um, using humor to deal with like some of the serious stuff or even I guess I guess comedy has a range I guess in Shakespeare it's a comedy unless someone dies so I guess it's really the, the word it's just so interesting what we associate it with because when I think of comics I think of kind of that lighter stuff but then you have like mouse I grew up with mouse as sort of like a, a very kind of darker and more somber type of comic do you have any um of your own other than Cal Calvin and Hobbes in, in the, I guess the lighter genre like that, although I guess it's philosophical, any of the, you know, maybe deeper dealing with the type of issues that you are dealing with. Is there anyone else out there doing that sort of thing that's, that's well known? Oh, I mean, there, there are definitely people who use their powers like that. I mean, one of my biggest influences was the graphic novel Persepolis. And you want to throw in another term, graphic novel is technically the term for, for mouse and all those other books that are not simple comic strips. They're not one page or, you know, you know, some of them are light, you know, it's it just, it's crazy with how to try to describe some of this material when the, the, the wording is not exactly what it, what it means. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Persepolis was a graphic novel where that really made a major impact um, about, you know, about a, a woman growing up in Iran and she mm -hmm. was the, she's her, uh, the, the Marjan Satrapi, I, I can't, I don't remember how to pronounce her name exactly. I apologize. But, um, but, uh, for Persepolis, um, it is, uh, it, it was, is just taking heavy material and having it drawn in a simple iconic way, which is a hundred percent the influence of my, my miscarriage comics. And then another comic that really blew me away that was lighter was this graphic novel, Mom's Cancer. And that was about um, the artist's experience, you know, dealing with his mom's cancer. And he had some pages where, you know, he, the, the one that always st sticks out in my mind is the image of, of his mom looking like uh, the, you know, the game operation where they're lying on the, <laughs> where you have to get the little bones out of, out right. of the, the person sitting there. So he drew his mom that and like all the parts of her body that were being, you know, impacted by cancer. So it's about the thing that you can do about comics is that you can, you can lighten up the topics by having imagery that is the opposite of what you're experiencing in a way that it relates to more people. Hmm. So now I want to sort of talk about how, because we did kind of the Jewish piece and the career piece. Now I want to talk about how they work together. Um, how did Jewish observance come up in any of these big companies or any of your, you know, uh, bigger gigs that you dealt with? Was it ever a conflict? You know, was it just, you know, these are the foods I can eat and can't eat, like back when you were in drawing camp or were there ever bigger areas where it was, uh, you know, something more of an issue? I mean, it's a mixed bag. Um, there are definitely situations where being orthodox, you know, was a, was a negative impact because I lost out on opportunities. Uh, I remember, um, I, 
I, the first Comic-Con that was held in New York, uh, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it because one day was on, on, on Shabbos and then the other day was, uh, I had something else going on. And I remember um, someone had told me, well, I think that God would look away this one time. And I thought, well, not not how it works. <laughs> you know, that's not exactly how it works. Um, you know, and then uh, I had, you know, my 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 previous job, like they never denied me taking off for the holidays or anything like that. Even if I had to take it unpaid because I ran out of time, no, you know, I was never denied or given a hard time about taking off those days. Uh, so it it really depended on on the situation. Overall, I do think, you know, being observant means that you're missing out if you go to if there's comic-con and a lot takes place on saturday you're missing out on saturdays it just mm -hmm. just, the, it just the way it is mm -hmm. um you know i try to make things work when i can if there's a conference i can go to and i feel comfortable and i'll, I'll stay in the hotel mm -hmm. for the weekend and i'll pop into to some some events here or there on the saturday if i feel comfortable mm -hmm. but uh, i guess you just make it work and hope for the best <laughs> No, I, I hear you. And what about um, sort of colleagues being open to, you know, your different type of lifestyle? Because I would imagine like in the art world, it may be more of a, you know, a progressive creative crowd, which may not be as in line with the traditional crowd. So do they ever look at you or like you were one of those, you know, crazy Orthodox women, um, you know, chained and without choices? Or do you think you were able to um, change their perceptions of what Orthodox means? I, I've had overwhelmingly in the, in the art field for the most part, really such support. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't mention this, but I graduated valedictorian at the school of visual arts and I gave a speech in front of 5,000 people at radio city music hall. Ooh. So, yeah. And that was, you know, I was definitely, um, like I said, I never felt more Jewish than I did in, in college. And honestly, with my artist friends, most of the time, you know, I can't really think of any exceptions at the moment. Most of it, like, almost uh you know universally like i i have been the one that people go to to ask questions about being jewish and and uh you know being observant and the key is also we love to invite people over for friday night meals so people come over and they see what a shabbat meal is like you know and uh you know they, you know, they had college you know some of my closest friends are my college roommates who just love the thought of being shabbos goyes like they are the superheroes <laughs> of everything they love being able to turn on the lights for me um you know and uh and uh you know um as they used to take that that term which I say in quotes, you know, as uh, as a badge of honor, they just loved being able to be there for me and support my religion. And um, it was, you know, when I think of being orthodox as an artist, for the most part, I just have an overwhelming sense of pride. Mm. What about, um, do you see making art as a spiritual experience at all? Um, I There's a, apparently a quote, I believe it's from Rev Cook about, you know, how Hashem left the world unfinished so that we could partner with him in creation. That's something that I think about a lot as someone that's creating. Do you, have you ever considered sort of, is there an avoda in, you know, being a, a co-creator in the world? hundred percent. I mean, all the time. I mean, with my work, I try to create clean art that is universally friend in a universally friendly style. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you can just enjoy it. And I try to bring the warmth and the love that I felt as, you know, as a, an Orthodox Jew and the, the feeling that I get from Friday night meals and from time with family and playing board games and, and uh, 
celebrating holidays and just the the love and the um and the the passion for it I try to put that all into my work so I I try to pick pick jobs that reflect that as well beautiful so tell us about this Parsha coloring book that you made uh, I have a weekly subscription service for humorous coloring pages based on the Parsha. And eventually I'm going to put it all together in a book, but right now it's available as a weekly subscription service. And I'm trying to do Parsha pages that are a little bit different than you would expect. You know, uh, a little bit more humor, parts of the Parsha you might not necessarily know about or, or realize or something from the commentary. And just in a way that's so fun, just so fun. If, if the page doesn't make me smile, I won't draw it. And how do people find out more about um, your website, the Parsha page? My website is shariper.com, C-H-A-R-I-P-E-R-E.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at shariperart, C-H-A-R-I-P-E-R-E-A-R-T. And yeah, that's it. So let's say someone interviewing right now has a kid that likes to draw a lot. My younger son um, is always drawing. Um, what, what, what do parents do to, uh, help our kids, you know, kind of, uh, continue to flourish with their talent. And then for any youngsters that are listening, you know, what advice do you have for them? Oh, well, that right now there are more resources than ever to try to try to draw. I mean, my son just loves to go on YouTube and find all these different how-to videos. I mean, he just he just goes on his own and, and draws them and, and then steals my iPad and tries to, to, to use that for his art. Um, but there's so many courses in person and online uh, as, as a way to, to create. And the one bit of advice that I would give out is that right now, you know, you asked about animation versus still art, cartooning and illustration. So the, you know, a lot of the world right now is animated. So uh, if anybody is seriously looking into a career in it, I would definitely encourage learning the animation side of things. Video games are really big right now. You know, kids, uh, kids playing video games are who want to do that for career technically studying, right? Um, so I would, um, if I were parents there, you know, and their kids were interested in it, I would look online and see what classes are, are the best fit for them. There are free, there are paid. There are so many great, great, great resources out there right now. I'm just thinking at the more that we talk, I'm just analyzing what words mean. And then I have just like one final question. How are you doing your art? Because, you know, drawing at one point was with a pencil, but everything's online now. So are you a graphic designer? Is that, does that? automatically part of the conversation do you start off with uh, a medium that you can touch and then it goes on to online what's the process the majority of my work right now is done on my ipad on procreate with an apple pencil so i do the the sketches and everything is digital but there are some drawings that you know i i have commissions that i do for uh for bar mitzvah pieces where i'm drawing them on a big piece of paper and then i scan it in and then i ink it digitally because um, it's some, for some projects, the precision of having it on paper is, is still hard to replace with, with anything digital, whether it's uh, the, the Wacom Cintiq tablet or my iPad, both of which I use regularly um, for different purposes. So I definitely have, you know, I'll draw with pencil and ink on occasion, but for the most part, most of my work is uh, with, with digital pens and, and digital tablets. 
Okay, but it's still not, you know, using a mouse to just like, you know, drag things. You are still using sort of the dexterity of the, the drawing itself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the mouse is only used when I don't have my tablet around. Um, and I, even my graphic design work when I'm putting together, like, I, you know, my coloring book, I graphic design and put it together myself. Um, so even that I, I use the tablets and the Cintiqs um, instead of the mouse. Fascinating. Well, uh, we really love to show um, that there can be there. There is not endless possibilities within Jewish law and Jew, you know, Orthodox lifestyle. There obviously are limits, but um, really the possibilities of what kids can dream to or what uh, grown up sport in their careers maybe could uh, take on as a side hobby or change a career. There are so many of them. So um, thank you so much for, you know, forging away and showing our listeners what, what can be possible. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's just great to have the support. You know, my husband is a voiceover artist, so um, he also is in the arts. And it's just it's, it's definitely trying to to be in our fields in the in. Uh, in, you know, in the world, basically being orthodox and trying to make careers out of it. But there are ways <laughs> if there's a well, there's a way. And, um, you know, it's uh, we're very appreciative of everybody who supports us uh, in our endeavors. Amazing. All right. Well, we wish you Hatzlacha and you can find out more about Shari Pear at C-H-A-R-I-P-E-R-E dot -E com. All right. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.